I'm Buddy Martin, and this is the Best Fridays in Football podcast with Urban Meyer and Terry Bradshaw. I'm very honored and happy to be a part of the Urban Meyer podcast with Buddy Martin, which we're now kind of in our pilot, I guess, phase right now. And Urban, I want to thank you for this opportunity and many good comments about this podcast, which will be a regular feature. And I do think we have a lot of things to talk about. I know you do, but let me just stop, start and say, how are you? Good to talk to you. Let's talk about the events of, of the week and recent weeks and what might be ahead. Urban, I know this has been a tough week for Ohio State and you, where you still are the assistant athletic director. Uh, let's start by saying, first of all, hello. And secondly, what in the world is going on? Well, buddy, I'm glad we're doing this. You've always been one of my favorite to have conversation with, and it goes beyond just the Florida Gators and Ohio State Buckeyes. We, you know, I just appreciate your insight and the way you've looked at things. And I think we have a very similar point of view. Don't always agree, but I think when you always try to take a look at uh, the greater good, not just the immediate satisfaction of what's going on or the immediate negativity that's going on like we have right now. So uh, that's why I'm doing it. I enjoy being with you. So what, what in the world's going on right now is uh, borderline catastrophic. It, it is, when I say catastrophic, the, the first thing that people bring up, and I'm not sure when this flipped, because in 35 years ago when I first got into coaching and college athletics, it really was not always about the dollar. You know, sure you had, back then you had all kinds of financial restrictions and and then the popularity really increased. And then television contracts uh, became involved. And, and and here we are today where every conversation is about financial issues. So when I say catastrophic, I'm not talking about the financial. That certainly will uh, have some catastrophic consequences. I'm talking about the fact that players who put arguably four to six, eight hours a day of training, of work, and for some, this is their entire chance at livelihood, or not entire chance, but uh, something they've put so much time into and all their dreams, and it's gone. And it was taken from them. You know, student athletes are, are people who make terrible mistakes and have something taken from them. You know, it, you have to be compassionate, but you understand you made a mistake. When someone does nothing wrong and your dream is taken from you, that that is absolutely heartbreaking. And I, once again, I disregard the financial part for a minute. I know that's where everybody goes, but I'm going too because I've been on the phone calls with a bunch of athletes and their families in the last 48 hours, and it's absolutely heartbreaking. Urban, take me through the timeline. And this particular podcast, of course, runs weeks at a time and the time doesn't really matter when it happened but I know this has been a week like no other you mentioned the athletes if you could start with me because last week we thought football was going to be on its way and then take me through the steps what happened what happened to you what happened to Ohio State what happened to these players and then we'll touch upon something which I think you feel very strongly about I know you do called hope and opportunity which as you say has been taken away well, the timeline was I thought the Big Ten Conference did a really good job. They came out first and said to manage protocol and health and safety of players because you can't have control over other conferences. So they eliminated all non-conference opportunities, and that was purely for the 
uh, reason of, you know, protocol, of safety of players. And I thought that was a really smart move by the uh, Big Ten. Everyone followed suit soon after, which was the right thing to do. It was very hard on, for example, the Mid-American Conference then folded up and said, we're not playing. And I get that. You know, there's so many financial issues when you start taking away those games or you get, you know, a guarantee of $1.5 million for an athletic budget. So the dominoes started to fall. And, uh, you know, Ohio State and a bunch of these programs are doing a, an exceptional job of managing 17 to 22-year-olds and keeping them, you know, because you can't put them in a bubble. There's no such thing. But, you know, trying to create a why we do this and accountability amongst each other. And, you know, I, I had firsthand knowledge of what went on at Ohio State, and I couldn't have been more proud with the way the coaches handle it, with the staff. To, I made a comment. I can't imagine a better, uh, safer place in America right now than the Woody Hayes athletic facility. They get tested twice a week. You have the best trainers and doctors available. Uh, you have accountability amongst each other. You have a brotherhood. You have people to care for each other and let's go do this. And that was going, uh, you know, that was going, I thought at a pretty good pace. Uh, the SEC moved their schedule back to the 25th. The big 10 wanted to open up early in the year, early in September. And then boom, uh, vote. We found out a vote was coming. A vote was had. Uh, there was a lot of fight from coaches and players and players' families saying, don't you stop the season, don't do it. And then bang, uh, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 pulled out. And that was, you know, now the collateral damage is taking pay, place as far as do players leave for the NFL? Do they even stick around? Do they take classes? Do they transfer uh, the recruiting the commitments uh, are they getting bombarded by other universities? Do you stay? Do you go? How's the roster management and what's the plan for the future? Is it really spring practice or is that really not a shot? So that's what's taking place. So many unknowns, not the least of which is medical. And in talking to your friend, Dr. Pete and Delicato um, earlier this week, we talked about this new thing, at least new to us called myocarditis, I believe it's called, which is the inflammation of the heart, which comes with some viruses. Uh, there was one report that came out that said there were at least 10 or more cases in the Big Ten, which may have impacted uh, commissioner's uh, decision uh, and the Big Ten to shut it down. What do you know about that? We're not doctors, but I know that's, that's a new thing. Uh, and I think some people feel like it's medically unsafe and some think it's okay. And as Dr. Pete said, you have to decide what is an acceptable infection rate that you have to deal with because there's not going to be in the next few years zero in terms of this virus. So that's a long question, I know, but uh, there's so many unknowns. And talk about what you heard about this heart inflammation, what you might know about it, although I know you're not a doctor. Yeah, I'm very cautious about, uh, certainly not about opinions because I can't, uh, but I did, when this all started, I have a former team doctor I'm very close with and I talked to him and uh, about every third day, I just wanted to educate myself in case I'm asked these questions. It is inflammation of the heart. It's really associated. Anytime you have a virus, you're susceptible to this. Uh, it is not new. This has been around. Uh, however, whenever you're talking about uh, the heart and the potential ramifications of something like that with especially big human beings and, and heat and, you know, the strain that goes on to uh, major college football, it is very serious. You have to do 
research. So the question and the term that I kept hearing is, is there a causation behind this? Causation means, is this a direct result of COVID-19? Is this something that has been around um, for many, many years? And that's still the problem with it is the virus is still relatively, I know it seems like it's been here for decades. It's relatively new and they're still trying to gather as much data as possible, which is why, you know, I, I think why the SEC uh, really has done a nice job. And I, I just, I'm a big fan of Greg Sankey is that by time, you know, by time, uh, didn't say go play, uh, by time, get as much data, make sure we know what's going on. Uh, and will you know anything more in four or five weeks? Maybe, maybe not, but at least you're buying time. It's just about impossible to restart if you cancel, which gets us around. You mentioned a couple of people. You talked about how proud you were of the Big Ten, and you praised uh, Greg Sankey, who, by the way, right now could be in a league by himself if this, literally, if this happens. Uh, so this has brought out the best and the worst. Some people say the lack of leadership of college football, uh, some of it's tied to the fragmentation of how it's governed. We know there's a different world in the, in the Pac-12 than it is in the SEC. There is no commissioner of college football. Some people say the lack of leadership has really been a problem for college football. How do you weigh in on that? Well, I agree. I, I, I got into it with some of the uh, uh, Fox guys the other day. or not not into it, but, you know, is this a time? Someone made a comment, is it time to blow up college football and restart? And I thought, of all the organizations and entities in America, I'm, I'm very biased to understand that. There's nothing better than college athletics, nothing. You know, in this world where I'm hearing about racism and exploitation and unfairness and safety or, you know, I would disagree. I would say this is a the safest, the cleanest, the uh, most anti-racist, uh, thing that I've been associated with in all my entire life. And so when I keep hearing blowing up, let me blow up. Why would you do that? And I'm once again, when I talk about football, I'm not talking about just college football. I'm talking about all athletics. And you're talking about 35 years experience as a coach, a player. And then also my three children are division one athletes. And so I can just say my one daughter is a, uh, owns her own company. The other daughter is a president of the company. And that's a result of incredible coaches, incredible ADs, incredible experiences, and then learning something that's hard to teach anywhere else, selflessness and team first. And people say, you're so old fashioned. And you know, I say, you're damn right I am. And I, I just get very upset when, so they made a comment, uh, you know, well, we need to have a one, you know, one team doctor that has a, well, look at, look what's happened to our America. We have one. And now there's another one that's in complete, uh, opposite opinions of what the one doctor is. So don't, don't, don't tell me how, or let's let the government, the government's a mess. Yeah. It's a mess. So let, let's not get the government involved in college athletics. What are you kidding me? So I, anytime I hear all the negative and just complaining about, uh, you know, I, I, you're not going to hear that from me. Matter of fact, you're going to hear what, how great it is for a young student athlete to be involved in athletics, the rewards and the, Timeless truth, timeless truth that athletics teach you, it's none better. You can't, I don't think you can find it, you know, uh, Representative Gonzalez came out the other day and said he learned more on the, on the field than he did in the classroom. I would agree with that. So that's, once again, very strong opinions. 
our strong opinions and well-spoken, I think, as an ambassador, if that's the right term, of the game of college football, and which, of course, is what we need right now, people carrying that banner. Having said that, as you know, in our recent conversations, I support a restructuring of college football without taking that element away. And in my mind, uh, there's a better way to do it, and it still has to do with, and I know you hate talking about money, the product that we put on the TV screens. Because let's be honest, that's our new stadium experience, Urban. You know that. We're going to be watching on TV when we have football. And it may be a while, if ever, before we have those great crowds you had at Ohio State and Florida and you played before. And so what do you say about the idea? Look, there'll be some remnants of this, as we discussed, that will be a carryover. Like I said, again, the cliché. Necessity is a mother of invention. What we have now, unfortunately, at the expense of the Big Ten and maybe the Pac-12, is a, is, a, is a league like the SEC, top to bottom 10 games. Uh, if they play that schedule, TV is licking its chops. That means eyeballs. That means money. That means money funded back into the program to maybe address some of the health issues that we talk about. And as you say, uh, certainly people, players at Ohio State, uh, have great nutrition and great counseling and and, and, and great physical fitness. And, and let's don't forget the mental part, because we're going to talk about that in a minute, too. So there is a way to do both, isn't there? Well, I just I, I disagree, buddy, that we need restructuring. I, I believe that, you know, if you if I called my 2001 Bowling Green team together and said, OK, buddy, come in and tell us how you really believe that uh, the a Mac school should not have an opportunity every once in a while to play a big time school and go in there and, and have lifelong memories and prove that you can not only play with, but beat Missouri, but go beat Purdue, go beat these teams at Utah when we were a Mountain West team. And, you know, we we're undefeated against the Arizona, Oregon, Cal, Texas, A&M, North Carolina. And say, Oh, by the way, that will never happen. You, you'd have a hard time getting out of that room alive because those people could care less about, you know, money and, you know, television sets. And to me, this, that, that's not what drives, you're talking to the wrong guy. I don't care about that. I don't, you know, I care about, I guess, cause I've been in locker rooms my entire life and I'm very close to players and I believe in the underdog and yeah, you should have the right. If you're at university of Utah to go uh, make a run and be one of the great teams in college football history, you know? And, and so, yeah, I, I completely disagree with a restructuring based on television sets and money. I care about people. I care about opportunity. Now there, there is a fiscal reality that football supports everything, you know, at the big time schools, at the smaller schools, it doesn't because football really doesn't make much money. So I would just say any restructuring, just make sure you have student athlete opportunity at number one. And, you know, I, I just be careful if you, if you, there's a lot, there's thousands of former football players and athletes that have had great experiences going and maybe playing the so-called uh, power five. And they're actually better than the power five. I coached two teams that were undefeated in power five, I guess, whatever you call it. It was BCS back then when I was at Utah and, uh, and Bowling Green, we never lost to a power five, never lost to them. So, uh, no, I, I would say for someone to say, well, they're, they're not worthy or whatever. I, I got a bunch of players that probably take a swing at whoever would say that. 
Well spoken, and I understand that completely, and I see what you're doing fighting. And, and you're right, your, your teams did. Utah, Bowling Green, they were scrappy. They brought the underdog element. But what if, one more thought, and then we'll go to this other topic I want to discuss today on the Urban Meyer podcast, is that could you take care of part of that in the playoff system? Why couldn't there be 8, 10, 12 teams and put in some of the other schools and conference champions of their conference and give them a chance to take a swing at a big team there if you can't do it uh, on the other structure? Would that be a, a way to do it? Well, now, you know, I guess you're opening a whole can of worms. So you would play with 15, 16, 18 games or something. You know, I don't, I guess, why? It was, was, are you saying it was broken? I, I, you know, when someone says it's broken, I know that's, I, I know right now society is complain and bitch as hard as you possibly can about everything's wrong with our country, with college athletics, with this. I'm one of those ones say, no, it's not in college. I don't know about the country. I think the country's has some major issues, but intercollegiate athletics are not broken. You know, and I'll, once again, am I a minority in saying that? That's fine. Uh, I guess I, got an entire lifetime into it it is not broken don't mess with it everything's uh really good can we make uh subtle changes to make things better of course we can it's always adapting but to start changing and blowing up things that is the most popular it's ever been it's really the only true meritocracy in my that i think truly exists still and and blow that up why no i i would i would uh, make some reform i would continue to adapt but to blow it up, no, I wouldn't do that. I respect that a lot coming from you because I know what your heart is on this. Uh, let's talk about your heart. Let's talk about hearts in general, about players. What has happened, as you said, is tragic to the players, especially those players who maybe only have one year of football left. And even if they could come back, uh, the opportunity they had to play this year and suddenly it's pulled from them, and I hate to make it sound this way, by college president's decisions. And I get it. Someone's got to lead, and I'm not disrespecting anybody. But I want to get back to you and the heart of who you are and the wonderful story. We don't have to go through the whole story about what you provided for your players when you realized you couldn't get their attention. You had to come up with what's up with their culture. And you've dedicated your life to studying the culture of college football programs. And you came up with something I'm sure we'll be hearing about down the road because it's a wonderful message called hope and opportunity, which is what you're so-called selling and providing for players. And this is something that has been, I think, an enlightenment to me. And I think it's something that we need to hear. Unfortunately, that hope and opportunity is not there now. Can you talk about what it means, hope and opportunity, and will we see this again? Well, sure, buddy. And I appreciate asking. Uh, you know, I'm a psychology major. I've always studied the human spirit actually more than I did strategy, and I love strategy. I was the fun part, but I've always been enamored with and and wanted to study why do humans do what they do, uh, human performance and human behavior. And I think you know a lot of the success we've had over the years was the motivation and inspiration. Uh, I know the spread offense and all the, the strategy was really critical, but I, I just, I think human performance and human behavior uh, overtakes strategy all the time. And that's, you know, obviously driven by culture. So I just, over the years, I would always wonder why would these 
you know, why would young people or even uh, people, you know, it's just horrific decisions. Uh, and it really crystallized when I was at Utah when one third, you know, about one fourth of our players were Polynesian kids. And I mean, off from T Tonga, Samoa, you know, they're true Island guys. And, and I got there and I really didn't know the culture. I respected it. I tried to learn as much as I could. I actually got on a plane and went to American Samoa uh, to go learn about the culture and learn about these great athletes and players that we made up my team. And what one third of our Polynesian kids were leaving school and a lot of them were getting involved in the Polynesian gangs on the west side of Salt Lake. And the more homework I did and research I did, I was find out that these players come from the islands, have a very hard time communicating, certainly with faculty on campus. They were struggling in school. And once that dream of being a professional football player became extinguished, they didn't have anything else to go to. So all of us are created with hope and opportunity. That's a, to me, that's an objective truth. God created us that way. If that's taken from you, you're going to look for a pseudo or fake hope and opportunity. And unfortunately, a lot of that is very negative, very dangerous things, gangs, guns, violence, uh, association with bad people. And as a result, these young players at Utah would uh, start disappearing and heading to these just bad environments. And, and you would a lot of times wouldn't hear from them again. And so Hiram DeFries, one of my uh, administrative assistants, and I came up with it. It was actually a Real Life Wednesdays before we had Real Life Wednesdays, and that is to role play once a week. We would teach them how to communicate with faculty, teach them that, you know, go out and shadow, uh, talk about job opportunities, get them job opportunities, and all of a sudden we started not losing that one out of three because the player that wouldn't make in the NFL, they had a real hope, and that was to provide for their family someday to be a contributor in society and not, you know, have to deal with just being a, in their mind, a failure. And that was an overwhelming success that we had. And we carried it on through our career and it really uh, flourished here at Ohio state as well, where our players here realized that, yeah, they all want to be NFL players, but at the end of the day, though, that's not all, all your hope and opportunity. Cause what happens again, just review when hope and opportunity is taken from you, you look, look for it in the bad places. That's called pseudo or fake hope and opportunity. Once that is taken, because it will be taken from you because it's fake. And then nowadays you're in despair and despair. When I was younger, was really bad. Despair nowadays is horrific. When young people or old people or anybody loses all their hope and opportunity, really bad things happen. So what's the job of a leader? Provide hope and opportunity. Well, it's certainly something we need to talk about these days, and we'll see where the spring league goes and what happens there. But let me just ask you, can we have hope and opportunity again? What can you offer some of these kids now in the way of encouragement? And what kind of season will we have? I know these are all hypotheticals, Urban, but that's all we have right now. Yeah, first of all, you always have hope and opportunity. You just got to be creative and, and figuring out, you know, at the end of the day, the ultimate uh, responsibility to provide hope and opportunity. To me, that's a job. That's a career. And I've said this publicly is I, you know, do careers and jobs solve all problems? No, but pretty close. If that young person knows that they have a life, a job and a career, usually that's enough to keep them going. Even when something horrible happens, like your football career is over. 
So, yes, you have to provide young people. Imagine if our government officials, this is where I think we're, it's a monumental fail, failure in America, in the large cities or in places like Northeast Ohio, where, uh, where I grew up, and it's really struggling because industry's gone. The biggest issue in Northeast Ohio now is opiates and drug abuse because a lot of the industry's gone and jobs are gone. So do jobs and careers solve all problems? In my mind, darn close. So where are we as far as um, the football season? There's a lot of conversation. The Big Ten is swinging real hard to come up with some kind of spring opportunity. At first, I'm very opposed. I am somewhat opposed. However, if you can do it early enough, put enough space between that season and the following fall and not impact the health of a player, I think it's worth researching. Agreed. A very good point. And this may not be the best Friday in football yet, but we will live to fight another day on the Urban Meyer podcast. Urban, thank you so much and uh, be well. And let's uh, let's hope let's have hope and opportunity for the future. Look forward to talking to you next week, buddy. Thank you, Coach Meyer. Thanks for listening to Best Fridays in Football, and thanks to Urban Meyer and Terry Bradshaw. On behalf of director Brendan Martin, producer Andy Billman, and the good folks at Evergreen, I'm Buddy Martin, and these are the Best Fridays in Football. Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotis, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah. right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Tripotis. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.